Okay, so this is the Cold Pizza Party podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Lubitsa. And we're folding clothes. <laughs> so yeah, when you hear like kind of flapping sound, it's probably someone trying to get clothes to straighten yeah. out. So we talk about uh, TV and politics mostly, left-wing politics, trashy TV. Um, we not always, but We record episodes that today. we don't publish. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of unreleased bonus features um <laughs> we'll never really subscribe guess. to our patreon and you can get all the i'm just kidding we don't do patreon okay um i have a recommendation this week okay we watched that show queens of mystery queens oh, of yeah, mystery yeah, is a, a yeah it's a british detective show it's good if you're a fan of you know the agatha christie type of stuff except it's not well it's set in the modern day and it's about a, a young girl who was raised by her three aunts who are all crime fiction detectives. And she becomes a police officer in like the small British town where they grew up. Yeah. So it's, it's like a bit of this genre taken to a slight extreme. You know? What I really like about the show, uh, if you like this type of show, you'll like it. If you don't like this genre so much, maybe skip through for when they use practical effects that's something i noticed that was <laughs> yeah, really you cool really like that too. yeah so like um in the first episode the the young girl detective sees a guy that she like immediately has a crush on and the camera zooms into her face and then they just drop like physical confetti behind her in real life you know instead of doing like any post-production effects or anything yeah they have another one where um a woman is like on the floor she's drunk and reminiscing about stuff in her life and they just literally project yeah they project over her face like a little you know color design and stuff um i thought that was really really cool and i'd like to see that in more shows yeah do i have a recommendation this week i don't know not really but i've been i started using niacinamide in my skincare again and it is very effective at brightening it's like an, an actually proven ingredient to help brighten skin so I don't know if you have trouble with uneven skin tone or redness I was having some redness around my nose that's helpful so consider getting that there's like a niacinamide solution you can get from yeah. the ordinary for like six dollars so it doesn't have to be really expensive cool so this week I think we'll talk about the society the Netflix show um, but if you, you know if we come up with something else we'll just switch to talking about something else yeah uh, we just finished it. Uh, we really enjoyed it. It's, it's a show about some. We had to. I had to watch it when I saw the description. It was like teens at a upper class high school um, go on a field trip, and when they're dropped back off, like they're in their town, but there's no adults. Yeah, there's no one else actually besides them. Besides yeah, the it's people. like a replica of their town, basically yeah. something like that. Well, we don't know exactly what's going on yet. Yeah. Uh, but the point of the show isn't so much uh, what happened, even though it is kind of like a, a lost premise. Yeah. Where it's like, is it science fictional or what's going on? That's kind of in the background, and they don't thankfully spend too much time on it. Most of the show is really about how they construct the society. That, yeah, that they, they have to build a new in. society. Like, you know, they don't have any ties to the outside world they don't have 
like access to the internet anymore. There's no TV. Yeah, they have cell phones. They don't even have access to an electrical grid. Like when they start running out of electricity, there's no plan for how they're going to deal with it. But yeah, only their cell phones work and they can call each other. Yeah, they can't really, they can't contact any outside world or find anyone else. Uh, They're just trapped there together. Trapped forever in high school, I guess. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, so uh, that's probably enough about, you know, what it's about content-wise. Yeah. I I, th- I liked, at first I thought it was going to be kind of like The Wire. Like, a, a few characters die pretty early on, and I saw, so I saw something about Game of Thrones. We don't really watch. We've. We don't literally really never watch. Watched. We've never literally watched a minute of it. Yeah, but I feel like I still know something about it a little bit just from absorbing I mean, very it. Very vaguely. But I know I Khaleesi saw... or whatever was a big Hillary Clinton yeah. meme. I did see an article. That's also what Stasi calls her fans. That's true. So I know that's that. what I know. Yeah. Um, but I saw an article talking about how the show was at its best when it was more of a sociological drama like The Wire. And when it became too psychological is when it really faltered. Mm. And I think that this show has both of those aspects. The, definitely the sociological aspects were what I was more, yeah, more interested, interested in. in. There are a few points where it's really frustrating that they're just not just like... I mean, okay, that's the first thing we should like talk about. I don't know if the problem... I don't know if the writers are like smart or stupid, honestly, on this show. Because... They say, like, okay, well, let's do, like, democracy or whatever. But then they never really hold a vote. No. But they very quickly have an unelected leader. And then once she's murdered, her sister takes over. Sorry, spoilers, but there's going to be spoilers. We really have to spoil that. Uh, Yeah, we do. I want to talk about it. Okay. I didn't think we'd have to spoil that part. Maybe. Well, I spoiled it, so I guess we did have to spoil it. So the really frustrating thing the whole time is that you keep thinking to yourself, just organize horizontally. Like, you don't have to have one person be the leader, especially in such an unstable society because you're just making it up. Like, but instead, the whole time, they have essentially an autocrat. Like, she rules because she has, like, the loyalty of the guard, which is, like, the football players, basically. I mean, it's not even clear that that's why she rules, really. It's more... Well, originally, it's, like, just an appeal to authority because her sister was, like, a more natural leader. Oh, I thought you were talking about her sister. Because her no, sister ne- was about... never, like, elected to lead them or anything. It's just that the sh- the show writers made it clear from the other characters telling her like everybody respects you they'll listen to you you have to take charge and then you know she does and truly you know they have 50 people in a room just watching her and nodding their heads and nobody says anything yeah. or votes on anything yeah and she comes up with like a basically well they say like okay we're gonna like change um jobs so no one gets stuck with like this like trash duty all the time or no one gets stuck doing trash we're gonna like make sure that we have like a i don't know system worked out so no one gets stuck doing trash duty at night and then having to cook dinner or breakfast first thing in the morning or whatever because they have to live like communally basically they said that that. yeah they did say that and then they never changed jobs yeah it's like she is like assigning the tasks you know like in some cases like personally like I don't know. It's just weird. Like they they don't really adhere to 
the rules of the society that they set up all the time. Yeah. Which I found irritating. But there are some sociological aspects of how they govern the society that are interesting and pretty well written. Yeah. So towards the end of uh, the series, you know, the guys are, are going to stage a coup, obviously. Right. Um, the guard. The guard, yeah. Plus, like, the psychopath and the rich boy. Yeah. They had that, they saw something that was clear to us as viewers, which is the the girl that was ruling them you know there was no real reason for her to be in charge yeah nobody granted her because the authority because they didn't vote or do anything yeah but the like psychopath kid realized we actually live in an anarchic society and we're all following you for no good reason and what makes you think you should be in charge i want to be in charge so i'm going to put myself in charge yeah you know i thought that was interesting i thought that was a, a good both character study and sociological portrait of yeah of well i thought happen. that what it really emphasized was how important it is to have a horizontally organized yeah. society because if you if they had you know or even just like a basic democracy with like instead of one leader dictating everything again if they had uh like legislature or something then, you know, you even if he captured the and arrested the, you know, yeah. leader of the society, you would still have a group of people that are there to keep that in check. But she was the like she's basically the unelected president of the society. And she's also she like presided over her murdered sister's trial yep. and meted out the punishment like said he's gonna have to be killed Mm -hmm. and then when one of the kids was too scared to shoot the gun she took the gun herself and shot the kid so like i mean you know the whole time i'm like oh are they gonna show us how someone becomes an autocrat like and she also has some other paranoid like tendencies at some points that are you know reminiscent of like autocrats in history and their delusions about everyone being after them like so i thought maybe that's where they were going with it, it but i don't know if it is because I think sometimes it, is. it really but but when they just then, think she's a benevolent autocrat yeah then they get they clearly like the writers i don't know if they fell in love with their character halfway through and now they don't want her to be a bad person <laughs> you know i'm not sure what it is but it's clear that the show is not sure whether they want you to think that she's a good or bad person. Even though, like, for other characters, they make it very clear. I think they want you to think she is a good person. I well, think that's they're pretty wrong clear. because she's not a good leader and sometimes she abuses her power. <laughs> yeah, but I think they are aware that she's an autocrat. I mean, so, like, the girl from our favorite show, The Heathers... Mm. Who is part of taking over yes, at the Veronica end. from the Heathers. Yeah. There's a moment where she asserts power over the crowd of people who are getting all riled up, right? And I'm already forgetting characters' names. I'm so bad with names. But the blonde autocrat Allie. tells her, this is how it happens. It happens so quick, right? Yeah. Because uh, Veronica from the Heathers, whatever her character was telling, is uh, really mad at Allie for, because the guard abused her, her, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and so she's on, like, a personal vendetta, and she was telling her, like, you're abusing power. So I think the show is saying, like, yeah, 
she was abusing power that's the nature of the position but also she happened to do it in a benevolent and beneficial way right but i guess what's frustrating is they act like well this is just the way it I is i know yeah they like and naturalize it's like there it. is such a clear exactly like it's like you know they're doing what like i find really irritating in some ways like when people have arguments and they just make sweeping generalizations about human nature and it's like no we couldn't we have no idea what human nature is yeah they're doing that in the show they're basically saying well this is just human nature this is just what happens when a person gets power but they went to like the library to learn how to like you know midwife a birth and like they're gonna learn how to farm through books and whatever yeah but they couldn't be no one could be bothered to read a little a bit about i don't know history or political theory or something to realize that like okay even if this is human nature and absolute power is going to corrupt absolutely and that's just the way it is then there are thinkers who have thought through how do we govern ourselves in the face of that again horizontal they're in new england they're in connecticut they don't know what a town hall meeting is. i know exactly there's only like 200 kids they could vote on literally everything Everything. yeah yeah it's absurd that they keep acting like it's who knows what the solution is to this well you said you don't know if the writers are smart or dumb maybe that proves that they're smart because then there wouldn't be any conflict they'd be able to manage everything perfectly there would still that's that annoys me is that there would still be so would, much yeah. conflict and it would be more interesting to me to us it would but it would be less psychological and more sociological well because got this the psychology way... part covered with the lifetime movie that's happening on the side of the abused girl and the yeah. psychopath boy yeah, i yeah. mean they they've got psychology covered no he's matter a what great they do villain they did a great job i, they ca- I don't villain. know where they found this kid's face he's cast I mean, so well he, yeah. he has an eminently punchable face but like, also a charming smile oh i don't know i just find him so creepy I, to me he's uh, he's so creepy because he does capture that thing people say about psychopaths that they can be superficially charming yeah i guess so yeah He's not the best psychopath. That's Michael from Melrose Place. Oh, yeah, for sure. He does not approach that perfect... No, no. Just outright psychopathy. No. Uh, Yeah. I do have more to say, but what do I say first exactly? Oh, well, the, the coolest part is probably when the ladies have a sex strike to institute socialism. (laughs) <laughs> that's not exactly that what they're the doing part, that's or... what they say they're doing yeah. really. that's that is literally what they say they're doing and they did have some uh quotes that did sound i was joking like they about them like read it in a Marxism Wikipedia just watch article. this show and then <laughs> take to twitter yeah but that was pretty cool except their version of socialism was just um having ali the autocrat tell them that they're going to share houses basically yeah, do you want to play that clip of the guys talking about socialism? That was pretty funny. I've been thinking, what if we, like, didn't take stuff? Like food or whatever. Wouldn't it be the worst thing in the world, right? Sharon? It could be, like, socialism. There's no I in team, right? What? Eric could give you that talk? No? Oh, really? Because Gwen said that exact shit to me last night. Luki? Well, it's not like it worked in China. Socialism. It kind of worked. Everything's made in China. Yeah. China's a poor example. The party took complete priority over the workers. 
In reality, we've never seen a true socialist state. Maybe all the Chinese women said they wouldn't put out, unless all the men got on board. Wanna say that too? Well, socialism it is. That's like what actually made this, like where I was like, okay, I guess we'll keep watching this. Because the first two episodes are not the best, I would say. Yeah. They were a little, I don't know. I found them to be a little bit of a slog, personally. Yeah. I guess maybe if you're like really interested in what happened, maybe that would drive you, but otherwise. Yeah. The show really hooked me, but I guess it also does slog towards the end, too. They had that main problem that so many shows have where it's like, if characters would just tell the truth, their problems would yeah, be resolved. Yeah, that was the really the most frustrating thing by far, over and over again in this show, where it's like, you know, also like we're saying about organizing too, it's like, it would just, it would lead to more interesting conversations and conflicts if people just told the truth and then we had to like deal with the outcomes of those things, you know? It would be more interesting to see them trying to figure out what exactly is the type of socialist society that we want. Not just default into like an autocratic socialist society, right? Like Yeah. And have more than like six characters who have agency over the structure of the society. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, it it would be cool to see them like, you know, really argue between I don't know, like do we want some kind of like co-op situation or more of like a top-down centrally planned economy or I mean it doesn't they don't need like a full economy they're 200 people but at the same time like if I were in this society I would want to have some say over my workplace you know if we have to like like a big thing that they keep emphasizing throughout this is how basically like exhausted these kids are because they've never had to do this much work in their life and Mm -hmm. they have every they keep emphasizing too like if we lose one person it's gonna be a huge hit to us if we um you know if too many people get sick how are we going to like continue like um every shift is important like just to keep themselves going so if that were the case and I'm doing more work than I've ever done in my life and also mine and everybody else's literal survival depends on it, I'm going to want to say yeah. <laughs> But that. that does kind of bite in the ass the teen autocrat in the end. Or it, it seems to. I mean, that's what that's allows true. the psychopath and the rich boy to get everyone on their side. Is when they well, start no, Lexi talking about that stuff. Gets everybody That's on her true, side yeah. by criticizing that. Lexi is clearly like the Trump figure. I guess. I think so. She's running just out of like a personal vengeance for one thing, and she has no but plan she, to do what when she wins. That's true, but she, she has rightful criticisms sp- of the system. She speaks bombastically. She is a populist. That's true. Yeah. And she didn't have any concrete plan of what she would actually do different. They do a, a good job of not making this only like a metaphor or allegory for something else. Yeah. So I don't mean she's literally meant to be Trump. Yeah. I, no, I just I think agree. that's I think you're right. there I think you're in some extent. Right. Yeah. I mean, I also, I was thinking that too about this show is like, is it an allegory for like climate change or are they trying to 
you know, show us, oh, look, we couldn't do socialism or we could do it or whatever. I don't think they are. No, I don't think they are either. Um, but I was wondering, like, why is this type of show appealing, you know? Because, I mean, like you said, it's not exactly the same premise as Lost. And I think it's going to obviously tackle very different uh, subject matter. I don't but this think, idea yeah. of sort of just like transporting a group of people out of space and time into another place. Like, what is that about? I mean, I think obviously part of it, I think both of those shows are American. And I think that Americans have a tendency to fetishize, you know, starting a new world. They drop literal parallels when yeah. they're talking about it. Yeah. So I think that's one aspect of it. It just, just like tickles a certain yeah. s- spot in our American brains. When they're exploring in the woods, the one girl character who is a, a Muslim teen girl yeah. says, uh, we're explorers on the edge of a new continent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that's, that's definitely And then when they arrive there. at a field because they were looking for farmland, uh, one of the other girls just shouts out, this is ours. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, it's a very colonial <laughs> uh, kind of attitude to just find land and immediately claim it for yourself, you know? Yeah. In large part, the show is about how to structure the society. Um, it's a, a show about self-government, which yeah, is Yeah, cool. I just wonder, like, is it they a just... fantasy of, in a way, like a roundabout way about like what happens if... Uh, technology is wiped out by and large, uh, let's say by climate change or solar flare or whatever, right? Uh, most of the adults die off mm. and people have to co- try to continue in much smaller groups. Yeah, sure. No, society, I think, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I think there's some fantasy element there or like thought experiment there in, in yeah, that regard. I think it's legit to read all these things into it, but it's not. It's pretty like literalist. Like it's just about what happens on the show. They they do a good job of not making it an allegory for something. So I think that's true. I but mean, they don't. Yeah, like they, Walking Dead isn't cannot, trying to predict. But you like, can't fit every political thing that happens in the show to a climate change no, or a Trump. No, but there's a reason why all. we have a million zombie apocalypse show or like there was a huge boom in them especially a couple a few years ago right you just like, think that's what the appeal is yeah like subconsciously as yeah a culture. i'm not saying i don't think walking dead you could map everything that happened there to some kind of politics in our society but the fact that it exists like it's not by accident that i mean that we talk about that for every tv show it's not by accident that we're choosing to create certain types of uh like fund even certain types of narratives to go into production right like there's a reason yeah and i'm just interested in what that is hey guys this is future lubitsa and i'm editing this and i'm as i'm listening i realized that the point i originally wanted to make uh before i got a little derailed and forgot was that the reason I find it interesting that we have this show now, and I wonder whether we'll have other shows like it beyond the obvious climate change uh, sort of allegory, is that obviously there's a lot of um, polls that show that young people are much more pro-socialist than their adult counterparts, right? And a lot of 
polls even showing like people have much more younger people, much more favorable feelings towards the word socialism than capitalism, um, let alone the actual, you know, ideologies. So I found it interesting that this show has come out now, right before another election season where we're seeing, you know, um, until Biden jumped in, right, the front runner of the American presidential election was a socialist. I think it's like interesting that this show came out. And I think it's also a good example of how great capitalism is at taking an outsider voice, perspective, movement, political system, whatever, and cannibalizing it and turning it into something profitable and easily digestible. Uh, in, in this case, in the form of a teen melodrama and I wonder if we'll see more tv shows like this dealing with not just the climate change aspect and the apocalypse coming the way the zombie shows that's basically all they dealt with and then it was sort of like a maybe going back to what I was saying earlier right like human nature is that this is going to be you know all versus all kind of society and now with a few years after, you know, a socialist ran for president, we have new things to talk about. And one of those new things is, okay, if our society, if we have an apocalypse, a climate catastrophe, whatever, we have other ideas of how to organize beyond just uh, every man for himself. It's interesting to see that. And it's also, I think, why, again, I was so frustrated that, they defaulted to autocratic socialism instead of a more horizontally organized society that libertarian socialist or anarchist or whatever kind of however you want to phrase it communist society um, which in most cases people say is a fantasy but if you had a society of only 200 people could be much more I think of a of a reality and yeah so anyway, that's what I that's why I wanted to talk about this show and just wondering whether there was going to be a rise in TV shows now that are actually looking beyond the apocalypse rather than just assuming, well, the apocalypse apocalypse is going to happen, everyone's going to die, and that's the end of humanity. And let's look at that with some dark glee. It it seems like people feel more hopeful, or at least this show is more hopeful about what could happen in a post-apocalyptic future. For me, what hit more from the show was the stuff at the end about the like nihilism about the rules and how the psychopath character realizes that these rules are actually other characters say that too, but in a positive sense that we agree to these rules and that's what keeps things running. It keeps us safe. And as soon as you, you know, admit the truth or, or, because the truth is that it's arbitrary and imperfect and, you know, nobody is giving us these rules. We're deciding it for themselves, ourselves. As soon as you use that as an opportunity to twist it for your own power, then it all falls apart, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that what... was great. I think that it was a longer theme, and, right? Because at the, the beginning, hold on, because at the early part of it, Allie and kind of the other few kids that are in the circle that are like kind of making a lot of the decisions or somewhat helping make some of the decisions with her 
were with Cassandra, or even Cassandra, but also Allie because Cassandra dies pretty early. Uh, like talk about. I think Allie talked about how she feels like she's pretending, and we're just pretending that this is a thing, and we're just pretending that I'm a leader and whatever. And then at some point, she starts to feel like she can embody that more. And then it's like threatening and offensive to her when that kid, the psychopath kid says, you're just like a pretend president with Mm -hmm. a pretend bodyguard. He's a pretend cop, you know, like this is all like, because they've started to believe in their society because that's what, you know, that's like how society exists, right? You just create norms and rules and then, that's what the more people believe in them, the stronger it becomes. Yeah. So after some months, when he says that they're pretending, it goes from being this thing where you're like, no, believe in yourself, to suddenly she sees that as like a, a real challenge to yeah. the entire society. Two of the characters who throughout the series are like, these are the two good guys. Both of them um, actually tell her they think that they should find a way to postpone the election because she's going to lose. Right? Yeah. So they have fully bought in, you know. They went from realizing that it's arbitrary and trying to do their best to being convinced that they're meant to be there and they need to be the ones in charge. But then Allie kind of realizes that's not true as it's clear to her that she's going to lose the election. And then she comes back to the point of accepting that, you know, it was arbitrary that I have this power in the first place, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I... I, Yeah, I think it's... Oh, I was just saying, I think one thing that is real and that would have been a good report is like, no, this is real. Like the minute we sentenced someone to death and killed them, Mm -hmm. we made this fucking real. Because that's really what makes the, it's not just norms actually, even though I just said that, right? What makes the, the state... The the authority, you know, is that they have a monopoly on violence, right? We've talked before about the implicit violence at borders. Well, that's how they ended up setting up their state in that moment. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So that's when it became real. And then when she, but also when she confiscated the guns, that's when they made it very literal that there's monopoly on violence. I imagine the writers like know that phrase because they, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it makes... <laughs> they obviously were also thinking about, like, teens yeah. shootings, They guns. do a really good job of presenting these moments and then not making it clear what they should have done. Yeah. Like... That's true. We were talking about should they execute him or not, and we came up with a lot of stuff to say that wasn't explicitly in the show. Like, what else can you possibly do? At one point, someone did say, what are we going to do? Start a prison and yeah. lock him up for life, and then we'll need to have a prison and prison guards all the time. Yeah. And... You would need to create the facilities. They yeah. don't. They don't have the capacity to do that. You would have to take people away from doing things that actually keep the society moving, yeah. like cooking, um, in order to have them guard the prisoners. Or you force the prisoners to do it, and now you suddenly are in a position where the more people you imprison and enslave, the right. more personal luxury time you would have. Right, as a and there's no not... clear understanding of what Beyond Thick Woods really is past the town. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there's no real way to just, like, exile these people yeah. or something because, like... But that is the... But that's also the moment. Or the other thing is when they confiscate the guns, it's like we just saw a scene where people 
a gun was dropped and accidentally went off and everybody had a gun yeah because they were freaked out because of the one kid who murdered somebody right so everybody started carrying guns and they were just all about to shoot each other and it's after that that Allie, who's in, in a charge. cafeteria, pointedly enough, you have a bunch <laughs> yeah. of teenagers. Yeah, yeah. I like how they are making like a collage of current events. Yeah, it's not really about any. Yeah, the in more particular. we're talking about the show, of... the more I like it. Like when I was watching it, I just felt so frustrated because it felt like here's there's a clear answer. I know, and you just aren't addressing it or exploring it at all, and that's very frustrating. It is still frustrating to me. I don't know if it's clear to the writers because uh, to me it's clear. When she does the execution and confiscates the guns, that's when they set up the state as monopoly of violence. Yeah. And that's what dooms what happens in the end, where the guard realizes that they have all the power and right. they stage a coup. And, you know, the most logical thing to happen next is for her and her boyfriend to be executed. Yeah. Be- and that's only because of the decisions they made when they first got power. Yeah. So it, it seems clear to me that the answer was that and then the we should thing, have not founded the state on this monopoly of power, yeah. but on a direct democracy. Well, what what really dooms it isn't just that they confiscate all the guns. At first, she's planning to destroy them. Oh, that's and true. And then at some point, she decides, no, I'm going to keep them. That's true, yeah. That's what dooms them, right? Yeah. Like, if they just destroyed all the guns and there are no guns in this society... Well, there. I mean, the state can have some monopoly over yeah. violence in that they can physically like overpower and imprison you perhaps because it's more organized than you are but like although it's also true that some characters just hid their guns and kept them yeah so they do a good job of not making it too clear what any of the answers are except the one that to us is like staring them in the face which is exactly you need a direct democracy yeah Everybody needs to participate. Yeah, because in this instance, when they imprison and not her a representative democracy, at the end they decide to have elections. That's not yeah. Cut they it. have elections for one leader who makes all the decisions. That's yeah, the pretty plan. Much. Yeah, that's not useful. I think they're yeah. going to do a couple council members or but something. But they just but advise the person yeah. in charge. Like yeah, that's not a good plan. Yeah. Like I was on a music forum I like recently, and I was on the general board, and people were talking politics. And some people, I think it's a very common attitude, maybe post-Obama, but definitely post-Trump, where people feel like maybe this democracy thing isn't working out. I think Mm. it's scary how many people, left and right, have a, you know, that... Even, Even, like, centrist people who don't think we really need to change anything love the idea that we're not a democracy, we're a republic. I think all of our problems are that we lack democracy. Like in totally. that thread on the music board, people were like, uh, you know, the fact that Trump won for one thing is is anti-democratic, or is, is like a, a mark against democracy for a lot of people. But he didn't get the most votes. And he neither candidate got 50%, right? Yeah. And probably, I think it's almost 50% of the country didn't vote at all, right? Yeah. So that's not a, a democracy. I forget what the other example was. Oh, the abortion law. Mm. How they're completely banning abortion. That's something only 20% of the country wants to do yeah. is ban abortion. Yeah. All of our problems that people instinctively suggest the problem is democracy because, you know, some representatives passed a law yeah. or whatever. The truth is we don't have enough democracy. Yeah. And that's where these problems come from. Totally. And I think the show is a good example of that. I'm just not sure if it's intentional or not. I don't know. Because at the very beginning, even, like when Cassandra, the original leader just starts talking about like what should we do she says like 
we should do democracy. And then another kid is like, oh, no, fuck that or whatever. And then it's like, okay, well, obviously, even in this moment, all you have to do is say, okay, well, let's vote on which one of these two options you want, right? Even if you're planning on giving up democracy, how do you decide that but to vote for, you know, yeah. other than a violent coup like what's happening now in the show at the end? Yeah. You know? You can't, you can't have a coup against, you know, like a state run by Quakers where they all hold a meeting together to decide what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah, like. or 200 people who all decide to, I mean, again, it's only 200 people. Like, it's just not that many people. Yeah. There's no reason why they shouldn't just be basically doing direct democracy or at least have, like, a situation where different people are in charge of different yeah, sectors or, you know, whatever of, the, of what needs to be done. Like, yeah. At first they set up committees, but then it's clear... No, they set up one committee. They just have the committee to go see if they can get out of this place. That's the only committee. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. No, there's also, like, her organizing committee or something, right? Because at first Allie was mad that Cassandra left her off the... Oh. Other committee. Yeah. it's just the organizing committee or something. Yeah, that's true. There's two committees, I guess. Yeah. They should have many, many committees, including like the how do we run a society committee where we read some books in the library about different ways to organize a society and realize Mm -hmm. that there's an option staring us in the face. We're not trying. I hope that's what they end up doing in season two. I mean, I would like to see how that comes into existence. I think that they're going to want to show us like, okay, here's a different way the society could be organized. And it's when, you know, Harry and... Uh, the psychopath boy are in charge. Well, I think the conflict is going to be Lexi sees that's the way things are going and how does she assert her own yeah. um, power over things that are happening. And I hope the way that she asserts power is to diffuse it into the community so that you can't have a psychopath in charge telling everybody what to do, but we'll mm, see. We'll see. But, but there's still like... It wouldn't be like the end of the show if they had a democracy. There's still plenty of... I don't know. Maybe I'm just a nerd, but like no, I know that's what I was. That's what I was saying. Like, there's plenty of things to have. Con- I mean, I'm more interested in how they choose to self-govern than I am in like the psychological dimension of these characters hating each other or abusing each yeah. other or falling in love with each other. At least you know. I mean, some of that keep is that necessary. to like twenty percent of the show. Instead some of that of is necessary, and sometimes it's a good break from things, especially when. Sometimes things get like I don't know. They I want to see a show that's a portrait of a society. This is called the society. They have these scenes like in this clip we're playing where minor characters get speaking lines, yeah. and it becomes clear that this is an entire community. Yeah. But then when they're all in a room together, everybody's sh- everybody shuts up and listens to the leader. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. I know. Yeah. That's that's the only thing that really bugs me about the show and holds me back from recommending it as like a super can't miss type of show yeah but i do think like if you are someone who thinks about other ways we could organize society compared to a lot of other shit that's out there especially teen shows i mean this is this is a great teen melodrama yeah this is maybe they're very good at keeping tension high that's really what drove us through like i'd say the middle of the show is just that it was like, oh, it's I want to see what's tense. gonna happen next. Oh my yeah. god, this is so tense! Like, yeah. So I, I definitely think like if you're looking for something to watch, 
yeah. to me what really makes it tense is that it's more than just psychological I yeah mean, when it's about it's the not... structure of this little yeah. community making certain outcomes seem inevitable that's when it feels really fucking tense to me you yeah know? Like, definitely like you know that the coup is going to happen for at least an episode and a half yeah. or something you know and even seeing like ali chained to a radiator at the end being like i don't want to die you know yeah it's like oh like and yeah, that's that not sucks because... and that's really not personal i mean it's no, a little it's... personal but no but that's really so yeah at the end when she's like chained to a radiator and she's saying like i don't want to die i i think that that's obviously a really tense moment um but it's also uh really real in the sense that like many times people who are thrown into leadership leadership positions who are reluctant to be leaders whatever at one point ali says this actually like when they're first asking her to step up after her sister's murder she's like you guys are putting me up to die like they killed her mm -hmm. they'll yeah. kill me too right like whoever tells people to do something that they don't want to do at some point someone's gonna have a fucking problem with it mm -hmm. Again, this is why she, there should not be one person telling yeah. people what to do. But it is true that people who are brave enough to lead do tend to suffer the consequences of, you know, when a crowd turns against you or yeah. someone else changes, uh, you know, which way the wind's blowing politically, like opposition leaders are often executed you know mm -hmm. and i think seeing that dynamic play out was actually pretty interesting and compelling yeah and i guess i maybe already made it clear but i like the you know realpolitik pragmatist approach of the psychopath kid like they yeah took an opportunity yeah. to arrest him right yeah and then she let him go because she didn't have any reason good reason to keep him unfortunately yeah. And then when he arrests her, she says, I let you go. And he says, "It's I'm not responsible for your mistakes, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, he plays. He is creating the reality that he wants. Yeah. Like, very actively. Yeah. She does it very reluctantly. And that really, I think, captures a realistic way about how things work. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, it, it, the, it matters that he's a psychopath only because it allows him to play the role so well. He's not distorting anything because he's a psychopath. He's like, you know, and able to embody the logic of the system that they're creating. Yeah. And exploit its flaws. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, there's a character named Grizz who has really good '90s hair. Yep. Just really recommend you look out for that because I feel like I feel like I saw him in movies in the nineties, and now he's just like the same age, and it's twenty nineteen. I swear yeah. to God, he looks like some some kid actor from nineties movies. If you're a fan of teen melodrama and politics, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially if you don't mind our spoilers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been out for a while, yeah. and people you know. probably saw it, and I personally don't mind spoilers. Yeah. yeah. It might make you more interested to watch it if you know what you're getting into. I feel that hey, way sometimes. Hey, it's scientifically proven that yes. spoilers help your enjoyment of a uh, We say this every media. time we spoil something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we've never cited a study. <laughs> I know that it's true. <laughs> um, is there anything else we want to talk about? How long did we... That's probably long enough. Oh, we, we could talk about, about the Vanderpump Rules 
reunion. Uh, the only thing I want to say about Vanderpump Rules is that we like this season. Everybody else is down on it. Yeah. But we think it's um, an average season. The worst seasons are the ones when they were first introducing Lala. Yeah. And stuff. Everyone like loves this. When Stassi was off the show. Yeah. And they were introducing no characters. Those were not good seasons. Yeah. I think, I mean, it was very interesting to see how these women have weaponized things that are supposed to be like social movements like me too or like yeah. body positivity yeah um and they you know katie turned the idea that well last season they went after ariana's brother and said that he was being creepy at a wedding towards stassi which is like i mean i don't know there was some other stuff with him that sounded weird i'm not saying he's like a great guy or that i want to defend him but like he's not even on the show Who it's knows? not yeah but also it's like not uncommon for someone to drink too much at an open bar at a wedding and just yeah. be sloppy yeah. that's not the same thing as like harvey weinstein like <laughs> <laughs> abusing his power i mean yeah. ariana's brother is a busboy as sir you know like he's yeah. not even a waiter like he's not even on the show like he has like no power so that was kind of interesting uh, and then this season, you know, Katie, like, basically first she, um, she says something like nice shorts to James and then uh, making fun of his shorts. And then he like called her fat or whatever. And then she used that to say like, I can't work in a workplace like this where I feel attacked and harassed and it's either me or him. And what are you saying to the women that work here, Lisa, if he's allowed to call me fat and stuff like that. And it was just very interesting to see like, yeah, to see how these things can get weaponized. Yeah. And then in the reunion, they trashed James for like the the series was showing how he supports his family yeah. and his parents aren't the best and they have a lot of personal problems yeah. and he is paying stuff for everybody but in the reunion you know Kristen and Katie were like oh ha 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 we all take care of our family and they're like fuck you yeah you know? like that shows you how they were weaponizing their own um you know Identity. oppressions yeah. whereas the shit that he deals with it doesn't matter to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's also annoying because, first of all, Katie is not fat. Yeah. So the fact that she's, like, taken on this mantle of, like, body positivity and things like that, it's like, I mean, we've talked about She chooses to dress very, very <laughs> poorly and definitely not in a way that's flattering to her body. But she is not fat. Like, we saw her in a bikini in Mexico. She She looks fine. She looks great. Like... Uh, any normal person would think this is a woman with a nice body like um so it's kind of annoying on that level and it's also annoying in the sense that like um james might be like a dipshit and he might have been trying to body shame her i guess but you know there's also an element of like you know do some fucking work on yourself a little bit you know like I think, like, the fact that it affected her so much yeah, is a really, especially given that she is not fat, again, like, objectively she is not fat, really it was, like, a dead giveaway that, like, honestly, this is a you problem. Like, 
more than that it's like a a big problem that James is a dick on a reality TV show. I mean, I guess that's mm-hmm. the other part of it is like, you know, if he was if they were just like in a work environment and yeah. he was like being that hostile, like yeah, I can see like in an office, no, unacceptable. But on a reality TV show, I don't know. It just seemed like this the fact that it's hurting you so much tells me more about you and how you feel about yourself than it tells me about James and what a dick he is. I don't know. I just felt like, uh, I mean, I'm not for fat shaming people. Like, I'm not a skinny person. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to be fat shamed. Like, I'm just saying that, like. We're not pulling a, um, on a catch in and saying just being skinny is obviously better. Yeah, know? no, by no means do I believe that, like, at all. Um, I, I just feel like it, that wasn't, I don't know, almost like that just, that wasn't explored at all. And there was no sense that, like, Katie, maybe you shouldn't let this affect you so much, you know? Like, yeah, you can't control what James does or what anybody else does, but you can control... Not just how you react, but how you see yourself. Like, do some work on that. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it actually kind of comes back to what Ariana was saying about how um, Lala, and maybe she said it about Jax too, because he was doing the same thing, how they were using the dad card, their dad's death to like immunize them from criticism. Yeah. It's kind of the same process, not at like a, I don't know, societal level, I guess, but you're just you're like holding on to some piece of yourself to justify all your bad behavior. Yeah. And then you're just making it a deeper part of yourself too. Yeah, totally. Well, and then we saw that later when she had an absolute fucking meltdown when they were talking about, Oh, James, you did so much to help your parents. And then she was like, Oh, boo hoo. James's parents got divorced. I fell through a yeah. glass pane through three stories. Where's my sympathy? Like and it's 10 like, years ago, and I still have brain damage. Yeah, it's and like, it's like, okay, Katie, we gave you sympathy last year, first yeah. of all. Secondly, we're just talking about something different. That doesn't take away from, unless you are a bitch like this, like it doesn't take away from the sympathy people feel for you about a traumatic accident that led to a brain injury. Like, mm-hmm. no one is taking that away from you by talking about the fact that James has a fucked up family life with like a mom who mooches off of him you know like yeah i mean she is really giving a bad name to the idea of me too and calling out people for things you know yeah it's like the best example i've seen in you know quote unquote real life because it's a tv show yeah of the like on and red scare perspective that you know yes it's right to stop abuse and expose yeah. abuse of women on like a weinstein level but it's also a way for people to like social climb and combat each other. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess sometimes I, some people some truth definitely to that. use it that way. Yeah, I wouldn't if I didn't see it. I I still don't think that's a significant problem, you know. Oh no, but, but it's interesting to see it play out on. Yeah, and I mean, what she's doing is using like body positivity to get somebody fired from their lucrative job that is allowing them to support their family that's really i guess that's really the crux of and why i feel like just go do some work on yourself rather than do this because normally i wouldn't be like oh it's on you exactly but it is so frustrating that that's because they won't talk about 
the fact that the TV show exists. Yeah. We can't talk about why it's so shitty. At one point, they're like, James, why did you even want to come to Mexico with us? Everybody in the group hates you. And it's like, to film, to make money so that he can support his entire family like he has been doing. And then it was really sad for him to hear him talk about how on the previous vacations, he felt like he did a good job. Yeah. And he deserved to be included because he was nice when he needed to be nice. And yeah, he also... and he said that uh, at, in one vacation, they told him he was a liability, but then he came back from that vacation fine, and Jax got arrested, mm-hmm. so hot. Jax was the liability. <laughs> yeah. It's always so sad to watch. It. It's really sad to watch him sometimes. I know. He's it's such really like a... difficult to watch him. He's like a he's like a puppy dog, but more like Oko as a puppy yeah. dog, like the dog that kept biting us yeah. constantly. But she's still like a cute little helpless thing. Yeah. Well, like when you hear his backstory, like between how fucked up his parents are and like the crazy amount of bullying that he went through, like kids yeah. literally broke his arm. I don't think that the American. I mean, I'm American too, but like we don't realize typically how bad it is in English boarding schools and shit. Yeah. Like, we don't have that cultural knowledge. Yeah. It's it's brutal. It's, yeah. It, it can mean, be horrific. Brutal. Like, yeah. Yeah, he was bullied to the point where they physically broke bones in his body. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, God knows, like, what crazy sexual shit they devised to torture each other in British boarding schools. Yeah, probably. But, you know, so, like, seeing all that stuff, like, it's really... It makes you empathetic towards him, but then he is still such a shit at yeah. every turn that it's so hard to, like... Yeah, it's hard not to hate him, even though at the same time, he does feel like a dopey puppy in a lot of instances. It, it makes him a great character. And it feels like they're kicking the puppy, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But then sometimes the puppy just, like, sinks its teeth into their, like, <laughs> faces, you know? like Yeah. It, yeah, it's... Yeah, he's a good character. Yeah. But I think what you're saying about they won't acknowledge it's a TV show, that's what really drug this season down to the point, you know, to the extent that it did suffer from something. It suffered from not being able to talk about what was actually going on. Yeah, and I mean, the many numerous times we've had to pretend that, like, Katie's clocking in for a shift. I know, my God. Sheena pretending that she's actually a waitress yeah still, or they like, have to ask lisa if they can uh get the day off to yeah go to on go yeah it's a film for the <laughs> tv show she's an executive producer yeah. of yeah and it had too many fake storylines the whole part of the reunion where uh tom took andy cohen on his motorcycle and they pretended it kept breaking down yeah so fucking irritating yeah, don't waste our time with that um one other part of the show that i think was you know, worth touching on. Well, okay, let me just say one other thing about what we were saying. Um, I, I'm hoping that because they talked about how they all bought houses recently, um, and now, like, it's obvious that, like, Tom doesn't work at uh, Sir anymore and stuff like that. I'm hoping that they will start to just cut ties with the restaurant scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's like time. obvious and yeah, I don't and they were talking about like, oh, so you guys are getting married, people are gonna have babies soon. So I feel like they're trying to almost like prep us a little bit for Nobody's like, gonna be confused if suddenly they're not bartenders. I know. Waters. I'm like, just saying that it's clear like I it. think that they're trying to transition out of that. But one other thing I wanted to talk about was the Billy Lee situation mm-hmm. because I just think it's really oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Billy Lee is like the is a trans woman who's who's on the show. She was on the show last season, and they like all loved her and wanted to show how woke they were. So they were 
all like, oh, I love Billy Lee. And yeah. Billy Lee talked about getting a new vagina from Thailand or whatever and how cute her vagina is. So fine, great. Uh, but then this season, um, they had a girls' night. After they got James kicked out of his gig right. DJing at Stern, they had to do something. So they do a girls' night in that's like a slumber party. <laughs> and all the girls are there. Um, and they leave out Billy Lee, right? Like, they they leave out the one trans woman that they work yeah. with. And at the time, when we first watched this, like, I was like, oh, no, these these hoes are just dumb. Like, they, <laughs> they just are not thoughtful people. So they just didn't even think about it. And they just left her out. Or, if anything, they were being bitchy and, like, kind of circling the wagons around the, the group or yeah. the core group of girls I thought girls maybe or they whatever. were trying to just shut her out from being a full cast member. Yeah. they just don't want anymore. But I didn't think it was, like, transphobic. But what did start to feel transphobic was how much they doubled down on I did nothing wrong. Yeah. And, like, the obvious answer, like, I, you know... I'm a cis woman. Like, I can be a basic bitch, too. Like, you know, maybe you've just forgot. You didn't think about, yeah, obviously we should include the one trans woman uh, in girls' night or whatever. So then at the reunion, the obvious thing to do would be like, you know what? I was being thoughtless. Mm -hmm. I did not think about the context in which you would experience not being included in this women-centric event, you know, I'm sorry, like, you know, maybe I, I don't, I didn't do it with malice or transphobia, but I need, you know, I, I will try in the future to be more aware of, like, how that might affect other people around yeah, me, yeah. especially, like, someone who has different experiences than me. Yeah. And instead of doing that, Katie was, like, such a bitch, and she was, like, well, I, I'm i sorry that that hurt your feelings, but I don't have time to think about your feelings. I have a husband and a household <laughs> and a business, she so said. You're dumb. like 5% owners of a business. Lisa wouldn't even let you come near while it was being constructed. <laughs> household? You have two dogs and a husband? Like, that's not... Yeah. Sitting on, uh, they say that on Watch What Crappens all the time, but like sitting on your couch folding laundry. Getting that's her. Is, yeah, that's yeah. her entire, that's all she did this season. Yeah. You're not too busy to think about anybody's feelings. So uh, that's yeah. when it started to feel a little bit like, I don't know, if not I transphobic. This was like the the best example of how they were weaponizing a fake shallow wokeness. Yeah. But I knew there was something better and I wasn't thinking of it. Because, you know, wokeness is mostly about recognizing or attempting to recognize other people's feelings yeah be cognizant of them and, and show care and empathy for other people that's why it can't really be socialist why it can only be liberal because yeah. it's not about the structures of society it's about recognizing other people as equal individuals yeah um equal not literally equal but you know equal opportunity yeah so all they had to do, right, like you're saying, is just say, I didn't understand how it would make you feel. Yeah. I'm sorry. I w did not want to make you feel that way. Yeah. And the fact that they couldn't even do that. Yeah. Partly they couldn't do that because they were so afraid that they would be called transphobic. Exactly. The scenes where... They kept saying, well, you... She's like, I didn't say transphobic. And they're like, but you clicked like on tweets <laughs> that said it was transphobic. I know. I know, but the best was when uh, Billy was trying to talk to Lala about it, and Billy said, like, 
as a trans girl and Lala immediately stood up and like that's it that's yeah. that's where I'm finished I'm done I'm leaving yeah because she didn't want to like she if, didn't you, when you have... stand up when somebody is trying to tell you their experience yeah. as an identity that you don't experience that you're not part of that's when you're supposed to listen not yeah. literally stand up and leave yeah although even that so that, yeah that was like all super interesting to watch play out but then what I think was like the most um yeah like transphobic in a lot of ways was when Lisa came in in the reunion and she was like all of these girls have supported you and um, they are not transphobic and basically it was like say they're not transphobic know, yeah. because of what you're talking because she has like built her career around being a friend to the LGBT community yep. uh, she like you know is in LGBT uh, parades. She um, ha- is in like West Hollywood. That's where all her restaurants are, which, as I understand it, is like the gay part of Hollywood or whatever. Broadly speak, I don't know. I've never been, yeah. but you know, um, that's my understanding. Uh, so it was so clear that she was like, this was um, Billy's boss, both of the show and of the restaurant, telling her basically deny your experience disavow what you just said yeah because otherwise you might cut into my profits right like <laughs> yeah. that's i mean it she, it was very uncomfortable um and even like some podcasts that i listen to that talk about like vanderpump rules like notice that and they're not like political mm-hmm. but it's very clear that lisa is using all of her power and authority to deny to, to say, like, whatever you experience doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's close this chapter by saying th- the show isn't transphobic. <laughs> the restaurants aren't transphobic. These people aren't transphobic because yeah. we don't want to, like, fuck around with getting anyone canceled and cutting into my profits. Yeah. So that was really interesting to me. Yeah. And I think transphobic because it's fucked up to, de- like, completely deny someone's experience after she tried both on the within the timeline of the show and within the reunion to express herself and just say, hey, people, I experienced this differently than you because I'm trans. Like, it's so stupid. Like, yeah. I, they are so focused on, like, their conscious intent, too. Yeah. I feel like that's a mistake that rabid anti-SJW people make is, you know, I, I don't think you're a racist just because you say things that are racist or hold opinions about policing that are racist, you know? That doesn't make me think that you're intentionally trying to be a Nazi. Right. It just makes me think that you're, like, wrong, that you're ignorant, that yeah. you don't have the the best opinion. Yeah. But the those girls see it the same way. The implication that they could be wrong, that they could be treating a trans person poorly, yeah. to them is is, like... Well, offensive because yeah. they would never want to do that yeah. and they think that's what matters is that they're not intentionally hating on her for being trans yeah i mean it's you know like the worst it's not being racist that's an injury it's yeah. being called a racist right yeah. that's injurious like same thing here like yeah you know i guess maybe it's shifting just for some communities or to some and extent. apparently not some other ones yeah like, <laughs> yeah it, it the the fear that they would be called transphobic just yeah. completely outweighed for the show outweighed her uh, tr- the tr- 
the trans feelings, person's the trans actual person. yeah experience yeah, yeah it was just fascinating yeah it was it was fascinating yeah. yeah but this is a good season i think so oh yeah yeah but the show's like format is holding it back i think that's i think yeah. when people i think that's what people are responding to without realizing when they think it's it's weaker it's just like you gotta acknowledge you're on a tv show yeah you gotta th- this season has no arc at all I they mean, started oh. with james getting fired and he didn't come back in the end. Nothing happened in the end. It yeah. just kept like going in a straight line since then. Yeah. But that's fine. You just have to give up trying to pretend that there's an arc and trying to force it. Yeah. Just show me like these people hanging out, having a good time, saying stupid shit. That's what we watch for. You don't need to try to, you know, yeah. fake it. I think that, um, you know, when the show started, it was like what? eight years ago or seven years ago something like that like Mm -hmm. since then like i think a major part especially of like the rise of youtube and podcasts a lot of diy media culture is basically showing the production like of the show as part of the show yeah uh and i think that they are still they're suffering from the fact that people are used to that now and we are used to talking to creators or whatever um stars whatever on social media like the barriers have really broken down between you know the the show and the people Mm -hmm. in every other aspect and so it's weird that they're keeping that they're still in in this one show trying to keep up this like third wall yeah they're like erecting a narrative prop to separate us from yeah, reality. And it's just not necessary and it's distracting and it's holding the show back. And yeah. I think that the sooner they just drop that and that we can talk about the fact that like, yeah, they're on a reality show that is watched by people like Chrissy Teigen and whatever. Yeah. And they have famous fans that Miley Cyrus go went to Tom Tom because of the show, presumably, yeah. right? Like They should have been covering for years how they made friends with the Bachelor people or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they should be, like, shifting the, yeah, the show tours, because that's yeah. much more interesting. And it would have been more interesting also to just see, like you're saying, how these people slowly go from, like, servers to, like, middling, cele- you know, celebrities to the show getting more and more popular and actual celebrities yeah. being interested in them and, you know, yeah. like, seeing them actually get famous. The show originally, when it started, was like, oh, here's a guy who wants to be a musician. Here's a girl who wants to be a pop star, whatever. And it, it sort of promised us that it was going to show us them getting famous. But then it just got, fell in love with its, like, setup. Yeah. And it stopped us from actually seeing them get Yeah, famous. totally. That's We didn't watch it because they were waiters and bartenders yeah. at Sir. That wasn't literally the appeal. Yeah. Yeah, and they uh, like this is the problem with the James storyline is they they need to let in the the reality. It's not oh he's being excluded from Tuesday nights at Sir. Yeah, they're trying to kick him off the show. Yeah, that's the stakes. Yeah, exactly. And okay, our car filled up while I was talking. I was yeah. just saying that they're covering up the the real stakes, which are much higher than the fake stakes yeah. that they made up for James' story. Yeah. Okay, so one thing I wanted to say is I, like, listen, like I said, to some podcasts that cover Vanderpump Rules or Bravo or whatever. And one of them I started listening to, it's called, like, Sexy Unique Podcast or whatever. I started listening to it because Felix from Trapo was on and I wanted to hear his take on Vanderpump Rules. And then I started listening to her podcast after that. I like the podcast name. Yeah. 
Um, and I mean, it's good. Go check it out. I don't know. Like, I, I don't always agree with her take, but you know, she does a good job. Um, but, uh, one thing that I noticed on that show is like, she lives in LA. She's like been to Tom Tom and met all of the cast members many times. Was she the one that you could see briefly when they had the Tom first Tom Tom party? They like started the scene with two people at a table and yeah. this was like, how's that food? And like their line got cut out and then they walked away. <laughs> yeah, I think so. She talked about that. Um, although somehow I missed that scene even though we watched that episode. So I have no idea what she looks like. But anyway, she tends to have guests on that are also like in LA. Oftentimes they're doing like acting or modeling or comedy or whatever people in LA do and for whatever reason they're there. And a lot of times... She's talked about how, like, triggered she is, and so have her guests, about the fact that these people are able to buy property uh, before, you know, the host and her guests are able to buy property, Um, especially, I think, because they feel like they're kind of in almost a peer group with these people. Like, they don't know them that well, but at the same time, they're around the same age and living in the same area and, you know, have met them and stuff. So... It made me think about, like, um, we watched a Big Joel video recently where he talked about a guy who made YouTube videos and he would be in, like, YouTube creator subreddits talking about, like, well, why why am I not blowing up? Why aren't my videos getting more views? And people would give him some advice or other and he would um, tell them, like, no, that's not it, almost, like, reflexively. And after a while, people started to get really annoyed with him. And people on YouTube have even made videos about him and how, like, stupid and annoying he is. Um, And Big Joel's, I mean, you should watch the video, but his general take is that uh, the reason people, like, viscerally hate him so much is because uh, he sort of freaks them out. Because if you follow all the rules that do all the guidelines that YouTube sets for creators um, and you like still can't make it, then maybe the problem is you uh, is how it feels, right? Even though obviously the, the, the problem is the platform, but. Well, yeah, that's the point of the big Joel video is um, people are inclined to think that they have control over it. So yeah. that all I have to do is do the right things and I'll succeed yeah. at YouTube videos. And you internalize it. But though, in, right? in reality, it's more um, random. and Yeah. Know. So this guy is like, well, look, the, the reason people kind of get pissed at him is like, look at this idiot. He's not doing all the right things. And the fact that he's not doing all the right things is why he's a failure. And that makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. But the flip side of that is, well, I'm not doing that well. So maybe I'm a fucking failure. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Because, again, obviously it's not the platform. Okay. So, I mean, it obviously is, to be clear, the platform. But that's the But it's also just anomalous have. is the point, right? Yeah. But I think it's like the that mentality tells you to turn away from looking at YouTube and thinking maybe YouTube is not an equal opportunity platform. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. And instead to put all of it, like personal responsibility, to put it all on yourself. So um, I think that the reason that people get triggered when they see the Vanderpump kids buying houses now is that, especially people like that, 
it's like, well, I did all the right things that you're supposed to do to come to mm-hmm. Hollywood and be successful, right? Yeah. I um, haven't shown my ass on TV. I haven't fucked my best friend's boyfriend. I haven't screamed at the people that love me the most f- to entertain strangers. <laughs> I, you know, haven't like hoard myself out to some old British lady to, you know, use like my body to like make restaurant tour, like a uh, restaurant goers more interested in her restaurant, you know, like yeah. all like they did what you're supposed to do, which is like work really hard, take UCB classes, mm-hmm. um, you know, hustle and get an Uber job and whatever else, like so that you can be ready for pilot season or whatever people think are like the rules of how you're supposed to kind of make it. Yeah. And these people didn't do any of that. They completely have, I mean, literally and metaphorically shown their asses on mm-hmm. TV and they're succeeding. Yeah. And the, the the fact that they're buying houses is a glaring, like $2 million houses, right? It's uh, it's a glaring example that the system isn't fair, right? But what it kind of forces you to feel if you're not someone who has like a strong political analysis is the same thing, right? Instead of looking at YouTube, you look at yourself. Instead of looking at the system, you're looking at yourself. And it's yeah. triggering them because it's making them feel like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Rather than, well, maybe the system is fucked, you know? Yeah. Like you, or you just, you can't accept that they succeeded for no good reason. Yeah, that's what I was saying like, to you. Like, they're mad at them for not having a good reason for succeeding, but that's what you have, they have to accept is that there literally is no reason. So there's yeah. nothing, I, maybe there's... Literally nothing Maybe I did everything do. right yeah. and it still didn't work out. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think people also like on a national, maybe worldwide level, hate Kim Kardashian and the Kardashians in general, right? How many times <clears throat> have you heard people be like, oh, what's Kim Kardashian for, like famous for, like fucking someone on camera? But, you know, I mean, maybe, but not really, right? She doesn't even do that. Usually people say like, well, she's famous for being famous or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to talk more about that sometime. We were talking about it in our normal lives off mic. Yeah. And I mean, the reality is they work way too hard for the most part. Okay, but that's not the perception. And that's how that's why they have conflicts in the show. Okay, okay, but in in the context of this, we'll talk more in depth. Yeah, we should talk about that more in depth. But in the context of this conversation and how people actually perceive them, it's that they're famous for being famous, and people hate them for that. Yeah, and the reason they hate them is because that is a symbol of the fact that the system is fucked. That you kind of know inherently. But everything in our ideology tells you to not even notice that there's a system around you, let alone to look at it and critique it. So instead, people hate the Kardashians because the Kardashians, um, or sometimes people will say about Beyonce, well, Beyonce has 24 hours in the day too, like when someone's having a hard time getting (laughs) shit done or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it's supposed, they're supposed to be like images of people who, well, they can get shit done. So the problem is you. You're not getting things done, right? You're not succeeding. Uh, you're the problem. That's how they make people feel, especially, I think, the Kardashians. I'm the problem, you mm-hmm. know? And, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, this watching Vanderpump Rules and listening to people talk about Vanderpump Rules just really made me realize that they are now also becoming, especially for, I think, a certain generation of people that are around the same age like us, who, you know, it's like, a lot of us are unfortunately like stunted as far as our 
development in a lot of ways because we just financially can't do the things that people used to do at mm-hmm. this age. I think that it's a uh, it's triggering to watch the show to some extent. Um, even though I do think they should explore the fact that they're getting married and buying houses and whatever, but yeah, cool. Um, okay. Well, should we wrap it up there? Yeah, we can wrap it up. Yeah. Hope you enjoy this first episode that will probably come out. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter Mm -hmm. at cold pizza party. That's me on Twitter. I'm at cold pizza party. Adam's at bone Camaro. We, did I say Facebook? We have a Facebook. Neither of us has actually been on Facebook in a very long time. If you wrote <laughs> happy birthday to me, oh, thank me you. Too. Me too. But I, you know, have not seen it. Um, anyway. That's one uh, of those things that I always say I need to do and I never get around to doing yeah. this on Facebook. Yeah. It is like the most psychically taxing for me for some reason to yeah. log into out of all the platforms. Yeah. So I guess we... We'll talk to you guys soon, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And since it's my birthday mm-hmm. month, I'll pick the song. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we can. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Yugo Rock lately. So let's ride out to Jujip Dan by Bela Dugme. I guess it's Bela Dugme, but I'm Macedonian, so we say Bela Dugme. Mm. This is Serbian? Yeah. Don't know. It's Yugoslavian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's from the 80s, obviously. Uh, yeah. So I honestly, with all of the Yugo Rock stuff, I never am like fully aware which language it is technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is a cool song. Jujjivdan. Oh, yeah, I guess they are probably Serbian. Jujjivdan is a holiday that's celebrated like throughout the Balkans. It's St. George's Day. Uh, but I guess Serbians must like really love to celebrate it because <laughs> yeah. i don't know that we do like a whole lot i think my mom told me that that people put like greenery around their door or, like it's a spring holiday you said yeah right? it's it may happens. 6th okay. so it's close enough to my birthday that mm-hmm. it's the right season for it um but yeah this is just a great song the music i think is originally romani uh, but they rewrote the words for this holiday. And uh, what'd you yeah. tell me that it's about? Uh, I mean, I thought it was about, cool. It's about the holiday. Like he, he's talking about the, he's basically explaining the atmosphere and the time of year and saying like, everything's green for everyone, but me, um, it smells like Jujivak, which I think is, a like a type of lily. Um, you know, so he's building the picture of spring. Everything's green. The flowers are blooming for everyone but me because I'm not with the person I love on Jujivdan. And that's the basic vibe. Of yeah, music. it's spring, but he's like, he's his love is lost. Yeah, it's an April is the cruelest month type of song. Yeah, yeah. Except it's May. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, thanks for listening. So, yeah, we we'll love be you. Back. Enjoy We've... some Yugo Rock. Yep. Proleche na moje rame sljeće Đurđevak zeleni Đurđevak zeleni